I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be sharing with you lessons I've learned and conversations I've had that will help you become who you want to be together. If you've listened to the show before, you know that we are a food family. We love to cook and host friends and family for a great meal and conversation. Even when we travel, it's all about where and what we're going to eat. It's all fun, but if we aren't careful, our thinking and patterns around food can easily become unhealthy. This week's guest is Amber Leah, a former college athlete and recreational bodybuilder who found herself to have an unhealthy relationship with food. Feeling ashamed of her physical state and knowing that she could and should do better, she embarked on a journey to reclaim her health and eliminate one unhealthy pattern at a time. Today, Amber shares parts of her journey to health and her new book that she hopes will help others break free from the cycle of reactionary eating. We talked about what triggers are, especially as it pertains to food, how these triggers impact our health and wellness, the common triggers that we can avoid in our health and weight loss journey, plus the triggers that we should be on the lookout for as a family. But before we get started, I have a question to ask. Have you ever wondered how to stop your kids from fighting and arguing? Or maybe you're lucky and your kids get along fine, but you're confused about their big emotions. You know, the ones that cause you to butt heads when you're trying to correct them. If so, I have answers for you. I have rounded up my friends and family experts, Casey Hilty, Elise Daly Parker, and Danielle Bettman to help you deal with all the drama, stop doubting your parenting choices, and replace quick fixes with real solutions. I'm bringing the conversations that I had with them to you in the form of a pop-up podcast. These three episodes plus bonus content will only be available for one week, May 9th through May 13th. You can sign up at buildyourbestfamily.com forward slash pop-up podcast, or you can click the link in today's show notes. When you do, you'll receive a welcome email, and then on May 9th, you'll get a unique link that will let you listen to our conversations in your favorite podcast app. Plus, you'll get free access to resources that will help you put what you've learned into action. It doesn't get any easier than that. Now to my conversation with Amber. Welcome, Amber, to the podcast. Oh, thank you, Kimberly. I'm glad to be here. It's been something I'm looking forward to. (laughs) Yep. So a question that we ask all of our guests is, what is your family known for? Well, most people probably would say that we're the beach people because we love going to the beach. Living in Southern California, we have pretty good weather. We're fairly spoiled on that end, and it's our happy place. It's just peaceful. We love being in nature. And then we're also known for, thankfully, my family's known for being pretty well-behaved and and polite because okay. we've, we've really put that into our kids. Like, look, we're a representation of the Lord and our family and one another. And so when you honor people and you're helpful and you're polite and well-mannered, that is a good reflection on who you serve, which is the Lord. And so we are not about perfect being perfect. We absolutely mess up. 
But time and time again, people will say to us, oh, your boys are so well-behaved, you know, and we just got a message even from our kids' youth pastor. They had a, a all-nighter at youth group, and he messaged us privately just to say, hey, you know, there's a, a lot of knuckleheads there, but your boys consistently paid attention, listened to the leadership, and it was such a joy to have them. So that that brings me a lot of joy when I get messages like that. So that, that's part of, I think, what we're known for as well. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That's awesome. All right. So you co-authored a book called Triggers and then another one called Marriage Triggers. Now you've written a new book called Food Triggers. So let's just go back to the basics and lay for us a foundation of like what are triggers and where do they come from? So triggers are any kind of obstacle to whatever it is that you're trying to achieve, whether it's gentle parenting, a healthy marriage, um, having success on on a health and wellness journey, anything that could trigger you off track or derail you, anything that's that obstacle and preventing you from success is what we would refer to as a trigger. Mm -hmm. And where do they usually come from? They are internal and external. So, you know, whether it's in, um, you know, for example, on our, on our health journey, we might be trying to make healthier food choices, but we go out to eat and we're at the restaurant. <laughs> and what does the restaurant want to do? They want to bring you all the things, right? The, they want you to have an appetizer. They're bringing you the bread before you can even, you know, say no. They are trying to get you to order dessert. And then the portions are enormous. You know, there's these external things that are, you know, encroaching on our, our attempts to stay on track. And so those are some of those kind of external things that um, we didn't necessarily set ourselves up for, but can be a hindrance. And then there are things that are internal too, like just feeling lonely and turning to food because it's a temporary satisfaction, you know, temporary pleasure that in the moment sounds like a good idea, but then we often feel guilty for later on. So mm -hmm. they can be internal or external things. And so it's important to address both. Yeah. No, I think that's excellent. My husband and I have talked about triggers in our own personal life and you know, I think like early on in the early years of our marriage, we thought for sure if we could just eliminate all the external triggers, we would be fine. And that <laughs> helps, but that's not yeah. always, um, that's not the solution to the entire problem. Do you agree? Uh, definitely agree. And I think it's important to Kimberly to have a, a proper mindset about triggers because what my, my co-author Wendy Speak and I, our first book, Parenting Triggers, was really an attempt to turn away from anger and yelling and frustration toward more gentle biblical methods in parenting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what we began to see is that all of these triggers are opportunities. And they're also signals. So if we can look at all of our triggers as opportunities and signals, not just the thing that's trying to mess us up um, for whatever it is we're trying to accomplish, then we have a much better chance at actually succeeding in that area because we have that positive mindset. We're operating from a place of victory. Yeah. You know, the word of God tells us that we are overcomers, you know, and that, that we have victory in Jesus. And so when we look at these obstacles really as opportunities, now we're positioning ourselves to actually um, be in a place where we're operating in the Lord's strength and we can actually do something about it. You know, when my child, for example, is whining and complaining, that's an opportunity for me to grow in patience, right? Mm -hmm. I get to be patient. I get to take a holy pause, take a deep breath, collect myself so that we don't have two people having a tantrum, 
right? I don't need to whine and complain about his whining and complaining if I'm trying to model, you know, to be Mm -hmm. different. And so that's an opportunity for me to be refined and to grow. And then it's also a signal. That trigger is a signal. Oh, my kid is not mature yet. They haven't learned yet how to properly communicate. Now it's my role. I I have the opportunity. I get to be the one to steer them in the right direction and say, hey, buddy, let's use our words. You know, it doesn't sound good when you use that tone of voice. And I know that you have a need, but let's say it this way instead. Let's practice mm-hmm. this. And now I get to become a coach toward my yeah. children as well, instead of just a, um, a disciplinarian. Mm-hmm. And I get to reach their heart and I get to help them mature. And so triggers are opportunities if we decide to look at them that way. Oh, I love that for sure. So tell us a little bit more about your story and why you decided to change your relationship with food. So everything that I write about, whether it's the parenting or the marriage or the food journey, they're all things that have been a process of transformation in my own life personally. I'm coming at these topics from a place of, I feel like my struggles are probably pretty similar to what a lot of other people are going through. And I really wanted to go through all of these different journeys in private. You know, that would be ideal. If I could just let the Lord refine me and work on me in private, that would be great. But God had a very (laughs) intentional way of, of getting me outside of my comfort zone because he wanted to use me to help give hope to other people. Mm -hmm. And I really consider that a privilege. But the health journey piece is particularly, um, has a stigma around it because there's so much shame involved and guilty feelings about um, weight and health and medications and all of these different issues. And for me, I wanted to journey through that process in private as well. I didn't really want to write about it, but I've come to learn that at this point, if ever I've got an issue, something that the Lord's refining and working on in me, he's going to probably make me do it publicly. But um, three years ago, I came to a place where I had just celebrated my happy surprise, our fourth son, Quaid, his birthday, his second birthday. And I had been a college athlete. I had been a recreational bodybuilder. I know all the things in here, in my head, in my mind of what to do. But some of the things that I had done in the past weren't working for me. Um, I had a lot of baby weight still, and I realized this isn't just baby weight. It's two years. We just celebrated his birthday. And I took a good hard look at myself and realized that I had been mismanaging my emotions. I had gained about 85 pounds over the period of a few years. I didn't recognize myself. I was starting to have some medical issues that were a concern for me. And I knew that if I didn't make a change, nothing was going to change. And so Mm -hmm. I made a decision that I was going to, you know, find a simple plan that would work for me, but then I needed to dig into the root of these issues. Because if I didn't actually deal with my heart and my mind, and I just ate certain foods, that was just going to get me back into trouble again. I needed to figure out what is it between me and the Lord that I need to dig into in order for this to be a long-term lifestyle change where I'm also going to grow spiritually in the process. That's what I was after. And so um, I was able to lose 85 pounds. I released them. I didn't lose them because I don't ever want them back. But we released (laughs) 85 pounds. Um, have kept it off for years now and just really trying to pay it forward and give other people hope. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so good. 
you broke the chapters in your book down into a specific tri- trigger and then a spiritual truth to counter that trigger and a closing prayer. So can you give us an example of a trigger and a spiritual truth a combination what that looks like? Sure, definitely. So one of the triggers that I think is really common in the last couple of years, especially because of COVID and people being more isolated and a lot of restrictions, a lot of emotions, right? And a lot of just even boredom, you know, where we've been at home more, a lot of our lives have changed. And so being bored is a trigger. We eat out of boredom. And I think one of the other pieces of that is that even if we're not in COVID, I started eating out of boredom because I had a life change where I I had a wonderful career. Then I was home with my kids, which I loved, but I wasn't prepared for how isolating that would feel. I wasn't prepared for the lack of stimulating adult conversation. And I was bored and I was baking a lot. You know, I started baking just to fill my time and to do something fun with the kids. And then someone Mm -hmm. had to eat all that baked goods. So it was me, you know, I was just kind of boredom eating. Yeah. And so there's a verse in first Corinthians 10 31. It says, everything I do, whether I eat or drink can be to the glory of God. And I think we mindlessly eat, you know, we eat out of boredom and we're kind of mindless about it. And yet our life is so precious. Our life is meant for purpose. Whatever Mm -hmm. we do, whether we eat or drink even can be done to the glory of God. And because the excessiveness of what a lot of us are doing with overeating or overindulging or being addicted to sugar or alcohol, things like that, is what's happening is we have a body now, a temple that we're not stewarding so well. And there's, you know, you're not going to get any judgment from me on that because I was in the same boat, but I know that obedience gives birth to blessing. I know that if my body is fit and healthy, I'm going to be more able to do the kingdom work that God wants me to do. I know that blessing always follows obedience. And so I want to take care of this body as well as I can. But the main thing about boredom is that we're created for purpose and fulfillment. We're designed that way biblically. And so we have this instinctive desire within us to live life to the full. God says that he came to give us life and life to the full. And so that instinctive desire cannot lie dormant for long. It won't. It will always find a manner in which to present itself. Mm. So we will either find our purpose or pick a poison. Now, your poison could be shopping. It could be overspending. It could be scrolling on social media. It could be a combination of things. For the majority of Americans, statistically, our poison is food. Mm. And so we are living in an obesogenic culture that is turning to food. But I think a lot of it's because we haven't found our purpose. And what I had to do in those early days as a mom when I was overeating even then is I had to examine what was I doing? Why did I feel unfulfilled? I had to remember that my kids were a gift, that the opportunity to be their mom and to be refined in this process was a blessing and not a bother. And I needed to get right with the Lord again and say, Lord, there is purpose in even the most mundane activity if it is a supernatural calling, which I believe that it was. And so just getting my heart back in place with the Lord and allowing that boredom eating to be a thing of my past, a pattern of my past, set me up to exchange it for a a, a healthier habit of drawing near to the Lord while also working on some of my behaviors. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. I felt like during, um, especially the first couple of months, food was the most exciting thing that we could do. And we're a family that loves to cook. And so every night we were like, what can we cook tonight? You know, like we were, it was, it became 
an event, you know, right. it took the place of sports. It took the place of going to a concert. Um, and then as soon as restaurants opened up, we were like out that door. If it's the only thing we could do, we were, we were going to do it. And so our budget for eating out, like, you know, just yes. grew, but then of course our budget in other areas shrunk. Right. Um, but it became a thing. And then like, as the tides turn, I'm like, oh, we can't keep doing this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, or yeah. we have to bring balance to it. Right. right. So if yes. we're going to do like a big decadent meal and we're going to try cooking new things and, you know, like, you know, we've done like wings where we do three or four different homemade sauces and we're going to try them all. Like we do like yes. whatever <laughs> you could think of to make yeah. that meal exciting. We did. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we needed to also bring balance to that. And, and, yeah. and not every meal needs to be that extravagant yes. and exciting. Mm-hmm. Like we could go low yeah. key for breakfast, fruit for breakfast, maybe something yeah. simple for lunch and then make a thing of dinner, but right. shifting yes. how we, what food was in our life was right. really important for us to keep an eye on that and realize that. Yeah. Yeah. What, you know, when, when we begin to fixate on food in any way that it, it wasn't designed to be, we're fixing for disappointment mm-hmm. because, you know, the food is, it, 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 enjoy cooking, like go do the, the, you know, 10 step amazing, you know, recipe do all, if that's your passion, you know, enjoy it, have fun with it, but watch our mindset about it. Right. Like mm-hmm. not everything, like you said, has to be a celebration. We, we tend to think we can only eat things if they completely satisfy and please us all the time. And we've forgotten that food is fuel, mm-hmm. that food is medicine. That food is nutrition to Mm -hmm. support our bodies in order to do the things that God's asked us to do. It's not designed purely for pleasure at every turn. And we've gotten off track with that in our mindset. And so enjoy food. It should taste good. There's so many healthy, good options out there. But let's not give it more importance and weight in our lives mm-hmm. than it deserves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And I'm still learning. Like, I don't have to eat what everybody's eating or drink what everyone's mm-hmm. drinking if I go to an event to be a part of it. Like my my pull and my draw is like, oh, well, I can have a drink because that's what everybody's doing. And I want to be a part of what's happening here. And there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But when I think that's the only way I can participate and I have to participate all in, then I'm like you said, I'm maybe I'm not meeting my goals or I'm not sticking to a standard that I'm setting for a particular season. Mm -hmm. And so I really struggled with that one and had to kind of identify that. And yeah, you know, (laughs) <laughs> that's that's one of the chapters in food triggers is when community means food mm-hmm. because it it is it's and and the holidays too that's a whole other topic because we do attach a lot of importance to food and what other people are doing with their eating and drinking they influence mm-hmm. us yeah. that's why it's very important one of the things i tell people if if you've you know been having this yo-yo experience or a roller coaster up and down with your weight or your health or on and off meds or whatever to really protect your surroundings, to really surround yourself intentionally with people who are also on a health journey, mm-hmm. because that support, you know, for my clients, I, I my coaching, all that is free, but I, I do a, I have a private Facebook group people can join, you know, you can be in community there. Um, I do a daily Zoom to help just encourage people and support them quick, 
you know, morning and evening kind of thing. And just being in community, things like that, find something, find a group in your area, a Facebook group, get a group together of, um, you know, like-minded people from your church or other moms or dads or whoever, but create some community so that you are not the only one feeling like you're the only one making these decisions to have um, a, a healthier vision for what you want. And even mm-hmm. at those, and even at those events, you know, we need to advocate for ourselves you know, bring something that you can eat and enjoy. Don't go to those events starving. Focus more on the fellowship, on the festivities, on the people around you, the beautiful decor, uh, being a blessing to other people. Let the food be very yeah. much in the background and make it so much more about the beauty of the experience itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. All right. So if we are addressing our triggers and creating healthy habits, but let's just say our family, we haven't been doing that as a family. (laughs) Now we want to make the shift. And so now we have other people involved in the process. It's not Mm -hmm. just ourselves. What are some of the um, tips you have for getting our family healthier? And then some practical tips to how to start to shift that culture in our home. Okay. Such a good question. I love this question because it's an important one. Honestly, when I started my health journey, I just didn't want to have to buy bigger jeans initially. And I wanted to get off some meds that I was having to depend on for autoimmune disease that were not even working in the first place. And so those were my strongest reasons why I wanted to get healthy. It's not that I didn't care about my family, but I knew I needed to get myself dialed in first. What I didn't realize is how much my example of just me doing me was going to very naturally and organically have an impact on my family Mm -hmm. and my children. So my husband decided to join me in getting healthy. He released 65 pounds in that process and kept it off. But then my kids. So one simple thing even that we do is um, because they're not always going to be on board at first, right? But as they see you thrive, as they see you begin to have changes in your own health, your energy, feeling better, that becomes attractive to the people in your family. And they start to go, hmm, maybe, maybe we should do that too. And especially with our kids, you know, I I would not talk about the scale or weight or like that really wasn't my focus in the first place. It was really, I needed to get healthy. I needed to be around long-term for my children. I didn't want to be in the nursing home. I want to be with them on the cruise ship when I'm older. And I knew that the decisions I was making were going to set me up for one or the other. And so I began to talk to them like, look, this is a healthy snack. This is what I'm making today for myself. And it has all of these certain nutrients in it. And this particular, you know, vitamin's good for my eyes, you know, so I, as I'm preaching to myself, right, the benefits mm-hmm. of why all that I get, not I can't have that, I'm not having this, we're not having that. It's I get okay. to enjoy this because this is what it's doing for my body. So, very positive, proactive mindset and communication in my home and with my children. And then little by little, they began to say, Mommy, is this a healthy snack? You know, when my three-year-old's asking me, is this a healthy snack? You like, I'm like doing a little happy dance <laughs> in the kitchen. Uh, but even just something as simple as portion control, you know, Kimberly, we, we, we have gotten far away from that in our culture. And it's super important that we look at what we're eating and the sizes and the portions of things that we're eating and that we teach our kids to do the same. So something as simple as like, I, ha- I, I literally test my children in this on occasion where I will put a bag on the counter or, you know, something that they're going to eat from and tell them to go ahead and help themselves. And they will not reach in that bag and eat from it. Even if they're sitting on the couch, they'll hop up, they'll go get a bowl 
and put a portion in the bowl. And so we have, I bought plates and bowls that are appropriate sizes Mm -hmm. to support a healthy portion size. And they know to put, you know, we read labels and we put a portion in a bowl in a serving size so that they know this is what's normal. This is what's appropriate. It's not just mindlessly eating from the bag without any concept at all of how much we are consuming. Mm -hmm. And so that simple habit of just teaching them portion control and that we don't eat from a bag has been life-changing. And then hydration is another one too. We, when we got water bottles for all the boys, they got to pick stickers. We ordered stickers online of, you know, what are their favorite things, soccer, baseball, certain brands they like, they got to decorate their bottle. And every morning it's a habit we put in place. They go fill their water bottle with Mm -hmm. water and ice. And so they have it throughout the day and they do it again before bedtime um, at night. So they're getting the proper hydration that they need. So there's some simple practical things we can do to influence our family in a way that is not threatening, um, but also begins to help work on their mindset. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we use the smaller plates in our house. Like we got a dish set and there's the small, medium and large, and we use the medium because we know that if, especially if it's some of our favorite dishes, if we have, we're serving dinner on those big plates, we are going to fill them up. And so that is one thing that we, we do do is like, we do the smaller plates. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And just that consistency. You know, mm-hmm. you may have kids that that push back initially, but if we are consistent, right, mm-hmm. we're making what we're making. And if that's what we've got to eat, you know, we yeah. start to eat it and just being very consistent in that and being okay with pushback. You know, it's like they can push back, but it doesn't mean it's going to impact my decisions for them. Mm, that's good. So yeah. that's another thing to keep in mind. Yeah. I found that consistency helps over the years. I do um, a Daniel fast in January and I take more and more things away from that every year. And my kids do too, you know, like they roll their eyes and they're like, Oh yeah, mom's doing that again. Um, And they even joke to their friends, but for the most part, slowly over time, they're starting to eat more and more things and that they would have, they would push back on before because I'm happy to like add a little bit to that plate for them. But they see that I'm making these choices and when I stick to it and I, and I think over the years too, I've like in the beginning, I'm like, okay, one cheat day, you know, cause it's a hard transition. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. But now I don't even really need them. And I think mm-hmm. that they notice that yeah, they're kind yeah. of like, yeah, like don't, mm-hmm. don't eat that in front of mom. Like she's, you know, focused and, yeah. and uh, I know that they're learning and picking up on things, even if they're not like, yes. you know, asking for a kale salad, they, they're paying attention. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Our good choices do impact others, you know, wherever we go. And so instead of thinking, oh, these people are going to derail me, my kids' choices, you know, their pushback's going to get me off track. We get to think about it really again as an opportunity. Actually, this is an opportunity for me to have a positive impact on them. Mm -hmm. And I, and I believe that I will. Yeah. Yeah. So are there, um, any particular internal or external triggers that are specific to families that the families could be on the lookout? Yes. I think in general, learning to manage our emotions, especially when it comes to having that conversation with our families, like, again, what is the purpose of food? And a lot of times, and this is still an area that we're progressing in, is we'll use food as a reward for our mm-hmm. children and for things like, oh, it's, you know, it's family Especially day. when they're little, yeah. Yeah, let's go get donuts, you know, let's do this. And so really just as a family committing to, let's learn to celebrate in a different way. 
let's learn to not attach so much of the, you know, sugar high foods. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we recently had Valentine's Day. My kids gave out all these cute little sea animal creatures as Valentine's. They, get, they got some cool pencils from friends. They got socks, you know. We are shifting even a, a candy-centered <laughs> reward holiday away from the food piece toward other ways of of rewarding ourselves. And yeah. I think as families, if we just if we just began to shift in that mentality, it would have a big impact on, uh, mm-hmm. for good on our on our families. Is that we mm-hmm. stop using food so much as a reward? If you're going to go to a movie, go to a movie. But you know, choose a healthy option if there are any there. And if there aren't, say, hey, you know, afterwards we're going to go get some frozen yogurt after the movie, and because yeah. you know there's some sugar free options or some dairy free options or some things that might be more supportive of what you're trying to do as a family. And so explain to them, look, we can do that, but let's make healthier choices. This is not the environment where we're going to find that. And so I think that's a key way that we can slowly but surely just make some simple changes that are really going to have a big impact on our families. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking too, as you're talking about that, even though the first trigger that you mentioned, this idea of being bored, we often feed Mm -hmm. kids because we want to keep them busy so that we can get something done. And I've done it. So I'm not, I'm not judging, Mm -hmm. but I can see where it becomes a pattern where every time they want you to leave them alone, they're like, well, just, just give me that. Like it's either the food or the iPad, just give me that and I'll leave you. Yeah. What are we using as pacifiers, right? We're using, we're using um, older version pacifiers Mm -hmm. by using food or tablets or whatever. And listen, I know it's not easy. There there aren't Mm -hmm. a lot of us that are committed to making these changes, but it's so important because we only have this one opportunity to influence our families in this way. You know, that time is fleeting. We don't need to be fearful. We don't need to have regret. We don't need to live in a place of regret. But today is a new day. And today is a day that we can make some simple changes just one day at a time. And before you know it, you've created an environment and a lifestyle for your family that's going to serve them well and honor God. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. It's my pleasure. I hope that people can come away with some hope and some encouragement. Yeah, I'm sure they will. You can find Amber at amberleah.com. She's on Instagram as the real Amber Leah. We'll link to all of this plus where you can find her books in the show notes. If you want to dig deeper into what we talk about on the podcast each week, check out the Build Your Best Family Facebook group. It's where we hang out with some fabulous women and we practice what we've learned. There's also encouragement, group coaching, and incredible resources there too. Remember, family culture is not about perfect, it's about purpose.